This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about the second half of Acts 15 and the beginning of Acts 16. So let's take a closer look. Yeah, it's really not a half. It's like um, the last five verses. Yeah. Um, but the story and the way it unfolds does matter. The last story in chapter 15 of the book of Acts is actually when Paul and Barnabas get crossed. Remember, Paul and Barnabas have been the two dudes flowing around since like chapter 12. And they've been kind of going around doing some stuff. And they've been doing ministry together. They've been going around. They sent the letter or they were the deliverers of the letter from the Jerusalem Council. They've been doing ministry together, healing, all the things, right? And um, they get crossways. This is what the text says. Beginning verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. The disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and set out. The believers commending him to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Why is it important to look at the way that they... Why is it important that they record the story of them separating in Acts. Why is that important for Luke? Because they were sent together as a show of the power differential and meeting in the middle. Yeah, I do think that was one way Luke was setting it up. I think the other part is that this work is supposed to be done in community, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be done in people. Um, and so even when there's a falling out, they get new partners. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. They, you shouldn't just approach this as like, I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. If you're approaching this as I can do this on my own, you're missing the point. Secondly, I think it's important that we see how people do Christian disagreement. Right, just because we're Christian doesn't mean we're always going to agree on everything. Right. In fact, I think, at least in popular culture, Christians seem to be more against each other than for each other a mm. lot of the times. So you're going to have disagreements. And apparently, you can learn a lot about both Paul and Barnabas's character from this mm. because Barnabas wants to bring this guy named John Mark and Paul doesn't because verse 38, but Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. For whatever reason, Paul didn't think John Mark was loyal. Yeah. 
some somewhere along the way they've had a falling out and Paul was just like, "Nah, bro. He ain't down with us." So they end up splitting ways. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you later on in Paul's life, he sends another letter and in that letter he says, "Oh, and when you return, send John, mm. John Mark because he's useful to me in ministry." Mm. So just because you have a falling out, don't forget that the Christian message is a message of reconciliation. Yeah. It's a message of redemption. And that includes relationships. Clearly, Paul thought John Mark was wrong. Yeah. And this is a heated argument, enough that he's willing to turn ways with a friend, mm. Barnabas. But we shouldn't overlook that there's an appropriate way to handle Christian disagreements. There's an appropriate way to do that. And sometimes that is just saying, like, hey, agree to disagree. You go do what you want to do, homeboy. Yeah. Like, it's just part of it. Verse 16. Now, this is an end, or chapter 16. Now, this is an interesting story. The text says, Paul went on also to Derby and to Lystra, where there was a disciple. Okay, Clayton, let's talk about this word. Okay. What is a disciple? Who are the disciples? What is a disciple? What does it mean to call Timothy a disciple? All the things. A follower, a student, a learner type person. Yeah. Disciple literally means follower or accompanier. Mm -hmm. um, disciple comes from the word, the verb, to accompany. Mm -hmm. It is like it is a follower or somebody who goes with. And so... What does disciple, what are they following? I guess, like, you could be following anything, but in this scenario, talking about Timothy, someone, some sort of church leader, someone leading the church in the way. Why do you think he's a leader? Hmm? Why do you think he's a leader? I'm not saying that he's a leader. Not yet, but he's following someone who is. Yeah, so he's so what I hear you saying is that we don't know. Yeah. You are right. You mm. can be a disciple of anyone who's a teacher. Mm. Uh Paul is we're told uh a disciple of Gamaliel, mm -hmm. which is a Jewish teacher, a Jewish rabbi. Yeah, you can be a disciple of anybody. Um Timothy is a disciple that's interesting. He's a disciple and he's the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. You got some thoughts on what, that and why that's included in the Bible? Well, Timothy becomes a fairly important character. Um, and why? What, what, what does he end up doing? He ends up becoming a pastor. Where? Um, Antioch, right? No, no. Close. Ephesus. Ephesus. Sorry. Um, but it's important because a Jew is not allowed to marry a Gentile. Um, but this particular Jewish woman also happens to be uh, a follower of Jesus. Um, and it's important because it's embracing the... 
the power issue, the, 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 the race issue that's happening here. Yeah. Um, and it's important for, for Luke to point it out because gospel for the outcast of which they both would have been according to Jewish culture. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Um, it's interesting that his mother is Jewish and his dad is Greek. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's like the ethnic piece that yeah. is being revealed to you because Excuse me. Remember, we've just come out of the Jerusalem Council letter, Mm. right? Let me read the rest of this text to you. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. Do you have a problem that Paul gets him circumcised? Yes. Why? There was literally just this whole debate about how it's not needed anymore. Um, Literally a few chapters ago. Um, also a full grown man who is undergoing circumcision. Imagine that kind of pain. Um, and in an ancient world where they don't really have modern, they don't have modern medicine. No, I'm not really sure that they got, you know, I don't think that's safe. Pain meds, uh, the same kind of way that we yeah, got them. I feel like that hurts and I don't feel like it's safe. And, um, so yeah, I kind of got some ethical issues with that. Yeah. It says Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Like he's trying to hide him in plain sight. Now, interestingly though, right? We had mentioned that it was a, that it was an ethnic issue here, mm-hmm. the Jewish and the Gentile piece, right? Paul wants to bring him on, and he gets him circumcised, and the text says, because of the Jews who were in those places, they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy could fit either side, mm-hmm. right? He's a, you know, to use the Harry Potter term, he's a mudblood. Mm-hmm. He's half and half. So if that's the case, then which side is Paul trying to utilize him for? Hmm. I guess, I mean, by circumcising him, he's trying to use him for the Jewish side. So why would you take a half-blood and circumcise them in order to convince the Jews. So that they would listen to what he has to say because he shares something in common with them, the sign of the covenant. 
is it that or is it to show how stupid they're being because him getting circumcised didn't change the fact that his father was a Greek. Their qualm is that his father is Greek. Yeah, Their enough. qualm is not that he's circumcised. Yeah, They make it about circumcision, as they always do, about following the law and those kinds of things. But I genuinely believe that Paul chooses to do this to show them the error of their ways. Mm-hmm. And, hey, I'm going to have him circumcised because of the Jews that are here, but that just go- allows me to show them, like, hey, yeah, I got him circumcised. Are you ready to receive him as Jewish? Because his dad's still Greek. I think I don't think Paul is playing uh Paul's playing chess. He's not playing shoots and ladders. Mm-hmm. Paul Paul knows what he's doing. And I really think that as he's doing this, he's thinking about because remember, we're told after no like after a much heated debate about all of these issues. And Paul and Barnabas are the main voices of the Jerusalem Council on behalf of the Gentiles. And we know that Paul continues to disobey the council, Mm. right? So as you look at it, I think Paul's looking at it and going, how do I try to show these people how dumb they're being? How do I try to show these people how asinine some of their thoughts and policies are about all these things? And so the way in which he chooses to do that is he finds Timothy. Timothy's this half-blood, half-Jewish, half-Gentile. And notice, it's also his mother that's the Jew. That shouldn't be lost on us, um, that it's the mother that's the Jew, and that's why Paul picks Timothy. I don't know that Paul would have picked an individual that his dad was the Jew and the mom was a Gentile. That seems to be, well, Jewish women were the ones that did the child rearing. Right. That also means they were the one that did the faith uh, impartation. They're the ones that taught Jewish boys how to repeat Shema. They're the ones that taught Jewish boys about festivals. They're the ones that taught everybody about polity and all the things. So Timothy, even though he's, his dad is a Greek, He's been trained by his Jewish mom, and now Paul gets him circumcised, right? And he's obviously not circumcised as a boy because his dad doesn't want him to be, Mm. right? Wants him to look like his dad. Yeah. So you get this whole thing in which Paul seems to be empowering an individual because of their relationship to the woman in his life, not the man in his life. Then he goes and gets him circumcised so that he can put him before these Jews for the sole purpose of going, hey, here's a Jew. He's circumcised, but his dad's still Greek. What do you think about that, Jewish people? And it's the same thing it always is. It's not the best of, like, receptions. They are a very much so prejudicial people. They do not like outsiders. Hmm. And so verse 4 is pretty revealing. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Now, Clayton, let me ask you, do you think a Jew who is 
traditionally prejudice against Gentiles is going to be real happy about the, the Jerusalem Council's letter. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. So do you think there might be a way to possibly appease some of those people by having a Timothy around? A guy that's Jewish, mom, Gentile dad, but also circumcised. You think it might be helpful to have him around to kind of use him as a... as A, a bridging point? Yeah, some something... I'm going to go ahead and say what I want to say. What I think Paul is doing is I think Paul realized that at the Jerusalem Council, Gentiles were objectified as a category of people rather than individual peoples who exist under a common label. Yeah. And Paul found a way to put an individual face to a problem. Yeah. Paul found a way to find an individual that he could parade that he could put before people that he could make people look in the eye and tell them that they were less human sure that they were less loved by god because of who their father was even though they got circumcised even though they were faithful jews even though xyz i think paul did what we should all do we talk categorically about people when we do that we objectify them into a number we do that with everything, right? Categorically, if you talk about a mass people group, you're talking about numbers of people that fit that category. You're not talking about individual people by name. Yeah. When you do that, it's easier to objectify someone and oppress someone because you don't have an individual that you're worried about, right? It's real easy for people to sit there and go, oh, well, I'm against LGBTQ as sin, and then your child comes out as mm. you know, same-sex attracted or queer. It's a whole lot different to, to talk about a problem when it's objectified than it is when it's personalized. Yeah. I think Paul's trying to personalize it. I think Paul's trying to find a good Jew to walk around with that he can put a face to the problem. Hmm. And when he does, this is what happens. The churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. When I first read this text, I'm quite upset that Paul gets him circumcised. Yeah. By the end of it, I'm not upset anymore. Paul's just following his own advice. 1 Corinthians 9. Be all things to all people in order that you might win some. Yeah. Paul's just trying to figure out how to navigate within a system of injustice in order to promote justice, life, and liberation. Right. That is what we all should be trying to do.